I've been working forever. Like honestly, from the ages of like, let's say from 10 to about 12 or even younger than that, I would go around my neighborhood. We were pretty new development, just collecting pop cans to then go to Quebec and, and get money for those or right. uh, had a flyer or a paper route for a few years from like, till I was about 15. And then when I was 15, I worked in a, in a kitchen for a number of years, but there are always these types of things where I, I always knew that I could be capable of more if I had the opportunity to do that and never really had maybe the, the, the path clear for me to be able to do that. And so when student works came around the summer management program, that ability and as a business major too, that the idea of a management program to be able to build up those leadership skills were extremely appealing. And it's, and, and that kind of helped alleviate that, yeah. that, that stress. Welcome to the leaders of tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the student works management program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey leaders. Really excited. I'm bringing a young uh, leader on the show today. He's about 10 years out of the program, uh, Benny Kananyugo. Sorry if I mispronounced that a little bit, but Benny is currently working as a sales engineer at Ascent Compliance. Ascent is one of Canada's fastest growing technology firms, as recognized by Deloitte in their Fast 50. He basically around North America uh, and Ontario, delivering value to some of the world's largest manufacturers and industries, including medical, aerospace, electronics, and automotive. He also is the co-host of a We the Sales Engineer podcast that he just jumped into. Previously, he'd also spent some time in uh, software as a service or SaaS organizations. So really, really great podcast that, that you're about to hear. Number one, SaaS sales is is one of the most important and compelling and growing and powerful organization or powerful organizations using this way of growing their businesses. So we talk about that in the in this and how to get involved and what those organizations, what the advantage of those organizations are. We talk about that, talk about some of the, the challenges that that he's had so far early in his career and the lessons that he's learned and what he's looking forward to do in his career. So I know you're going to really enjoy the podcast, and I wanted to, uh, to again, remind you what I'm up to is finding other amazing young leaders like Benny. And so if you know somebody who is looking to really set their leadership apart, really have a big, big future, please send me an email at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. They could go to leaderspodcast.ca slash apply, and um, I would love if you could uh, share the podcast and again, share what we're up to here at the Student Works Management Program. So thank you so much. I hope you have an unbelievable day. Vinny, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, no, really excited you are. And it's been a while. I know we got a little bit of a chance to connect before the call, which is awesome. So what I'd like to do is sort of take you back, you know, to what you were like before, you know, joining the student works management program, what you're like in, you know, university or high school. So what, what were you like? Yeah, good question. So, so funny. Cause uh, I mean, it, it may not sound real, but it absolutely is the case that student works was kind of a, uh, an inflection point, I suppose, with respect to my personality in many respects. So mm. uh, back in high school, you know, good student, 
somewhat social, but not the most social guy, still very reserved, introverted and all that, uh, but still kind of was recognized and got, got to take part in some leadership type opportunities, but the high school equivalent of. And so when I got, went into university, um, all of a sudden you're in this giant, giant institution, not really sure at all what I want to do professionally. I'm just some kid after all. Right. And then uh, all of a sudden I have this opportunity to, to, to kind of take part in something that was a little bit bigger that kind of allowed me to maybe work on some skills that I never knew I had, but thought would always be useful. And uh, so, yeah, I came in relatively shy, relatively, relatively reserved, but with ambition. And student works allowed me to realize a lot of what was possible in the world and help kind of feed into a little bit of that ambition a little bit. And honestly, I wouldn't say changed my personality, but certainly changed the way that I am, at least outwardly, in that I'm far more comfortable in uncomfortable, quote unquote, situations as an introverted person. And uh, now when people, when I tell people rather that I'm introverted, they laugh and think I'm lying. Um, but <laughs> which is the best compliment I think I could get as a practiced extrovert. Like it's, it's the nice, best compliment ever. So yeah. no, well, I got to tell you, like you fooled me. So, you know, you are very, very naturally, you know, extroverted because, you know, in one thing that we talk about in the program, because we actually profile people to, to actually determine what their natural tendencies are so that we can coach them better. And then also, you know, we can coach them, Hey, Oh, here's where, like you said, I'm going to need to become uncomfortable. I'm going to need to get out of my comfort zone and interact people and interact with people. But you know, a lot of times still with introverts, sometimes you can just see that they're just a little bit, not as comfortable, but for you, you've, you know, you definitely have mastered it really well or gained skills in that really well, which is, which is fantastic. Uh, so yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, again, it's come a long way. Like, I still remember the first time I got a lead and had to call back that that same prospect for for essentially to set up an estimate, something that uh, you know now, but this time I've done done hundreds of. And yes. uh, for those of you on the call or those of you listening, I'm not sure how many estimates you've done at this point. But for the very first one, I was sitting uh, at Carleton University. That's where I was going to school, and I had my my schedule out in front of me and the simple act of calling somebody that's already agreed that I want that, that they wanted me in there to give them an estimate, I think took me about three hours before <laughs> I was able to really get myself together and think of the words I had to say and wanted to say and feel comfortable to actually do it. And it just got easier and easier and easier from there. But for awesome. people that are having difficulties with it, I mean, trust me, it gets better. You just gotta want it to get better and you have to work at it. Well, that's great. And like you said, you just get more and more comfortable. It's repetition, 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 right? And it is kind of freaky how we get in our heads, right? Like, so that's basically, you know, bidding to, hey, I spent three hours turning over something, then really, I just should have picked up the phone call, right? And now that's obviously <laughs> what he does as a, as a real expert in sales, you know, just, hey, let's go have a conversation. And I, no, I don't know how this conversation is going to go, because that's actually what we don't know, uh, how any conversation is going to go with another human. Um, right. So, so we just, start them and we'll see how they go. I would say though that there was something that I didn't really uh, acknowledge though back then that I think now not being a student is pretty obvious, which is that people aren't going to be cruel. If you oh, think yeah. that the, the worst call you're ever going to have here in, this, in, the, in the SaaS world, sometimes we call them PFOs, where somebody's looking for a prospect or if, if we're calling somebody to maybe get them into our sales pipeline and they don't want anything to do with it, sometimes they'll be as cruel as to uh, you know spell out what PFO may stand for, which please F off. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that's the worst you'll ever get. And honestly, yes. the student works life, you, you just laugh at those after the fact. But 90% yeah. of people will never be like that. Of course. So, yes. so good. You know, yeah, just most people are just pleasant. And why Why would I be rude? And and frankly, if someone is being rude, it says way more about them and they're having a bad day, right? Like that's, you know, so 
What about frustrations as a teenager before joining the program? What, what sort of frustrations did you have? Um, to be honest with you, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I <laughs> maybe I was too level-headed for my own good, but okay. I wouldn't say I had too many frustrations around. Actually, maybe the, the only frustration might have been just wanting to know that I wanted to do more with myself and not really yeah. knowing the right path to go about it. Prior to like, I, I've been working forever. Like honestly, from the ages of like. Let's say from 10 to about 12 or even younger than that, I would go around my neighborhood. We were pretty new development, just collecting pop cans to then go to Quebec and, and get money for those or right. uh, had a flyer or a paper route for a few years from like till I was about 15. And then when I was 15, I worked in a, in a kitchen for a number of years. But there are always these types of things where I, I always knew that I could be capable of more if I had the opportunity to do that and never really had maybe the, the, the path clear for me to be able to do that. And so when Student Works came around, the summer management program, that ability and as a business major too, that the idea of a management program to be able to build up those leadership skills were extremely appealing. And, it's, and, and that kind of helped alleviate that, yeah. uh, that stress. Yeah, no, and, and and we we ask about that just because that's a common feeling that I could do more, I can't do more. Why the, why won't the world let me do more, right? And so you know we're actually a solution for that. And I know you spent two really successful years with us, you know, in the program. And so what do you still rely on on from the program? <laughs> so much to be honest with you. <laughs> so again, so that so again, I really appreciate what you said there, where where you said I'm a natural extrovert. But right, truth of it is, and I guess everything's on a spectrum. But I'm still more naturally an introvert than not. This you know, time spent alone is very it's recharge time for me. And right, time spent with others does spend some energy, and so that that's a constant thing. Having to right. be out there, whether it be in my role professionally or even socially become so much more outgoing. And I, I honestly attribute all of that from student works painting. And because I started student work so early in my university, I guess, career, that same extroverted uh, personality, I guess, that I got out of it, carried into my university life, it just reinforced things over and over and over and over again. Uh, that's definitely the big one is just being able to be more social, more comfortable right. speaking to different audiences. That's probably another one, though, too, the idea of speaking to different audiences. So in my job in software sales, I have the opportunity to speak to uh, those that are actually applying the software, using it all the way up to the C-suite and, and say the, and anybody at the executive level right. and being able to be comfortable as I'm in my 20s to be able to speak to people who are so successful in their careers is practice that I got from Student Works First and, and super beneficial now. And uh, honestly, the work ethic that, that you get out of Student Works, anybody, we're in this, I guess we're recording this now in early, early spring or late spring now. Right. So those of you that have canvassed during the winter, especially uh, when you could be out maybe partying with friends or when right. you could be at home watching Netflix, that's such a good skill to, to, to have that work ethic. What else? Um, those are probably the big ones. The work ethic, yeah. the personality skills, the organizational skills too. Goodness, I could honestly go on. Anything professional, uh, yeah. I would say I got most of No, it's funny. One of the things I always love to sort of, you know, identify is, is that just what you said is, you know, learning how to work with, you know, everyone in an organization, you know, the executive suite, the C-level, C the, uh, the engineers, because guess what? Those are the customers that Binny had back in Ottawa back in the day, you know, or they could have been those customers, right? As simply as, you know, so that that's who we're dealing with. And again, not obviously all C-suite customers, but definitely people are dealing with CEOs. Definitely people are dealing with v VPs. Definitely people are dealing with directors and, uh, you know, executive positions. And so that it's just, you just get used to it and you just go, oh, I, I can build rapport with them. I can have great conversations with them, et cetera. So, Oh, sorry. Just very quickly, that last thing you mentioned there—the idea of building rapport. What a, I take that away. Almost every conversation I have with with anybody that's new, whether it be professionally or not, 
that was something that that was huge for me from student works was being able to build rapport with prospects by picking something, say in their house or whatever it may be. And yes. if it's yeah. mildly interesting, jumping on it. And eventually you even gain an interest yourself because often their passion is contagious. And now in my life now, I still do that building rapport on any little thing that I can, I found to be so beneficial in my life, uh, both socially and professionally. And even if it seems maybe fake and forced at first, uh, so long as you you enjoy it and so long as you actually get something and actually are actively in the conversation with the person you're building rapport with, you'll find it becomes very natural and, and you almost start to, to, to crave it. You start to crave that rapport that, that you want to build with people. Well, one of the big things that I look for in life and I am in life is the whole space about I want to spend time with interesting people and interested people. And that's who I am. I, I like to think I'm interesting, and but I definitely can say I'm interested. So when I'm interacting with people, I'm interested. So if you're just put interest on the table, you're you're going to have a compelling conversation. So what's going on about that? Why? That's really neat, right? Like, and again, being interested in someone, then all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, like uh, uh, you know, you naturally like like them. They naturally want to spend time. You know, there's a connection. So there's no manipulation. It's all authentic because mm -hmm. there's a just a level of interest that you're you know inquisitive about the world. 100%. And it pays dividends too. So uh, I can remember a couple of examples where I, I would have, I would spend hours sometimes. I've, I've went up to, or went out to, I've sat in and had dinner with, with, uh, with, with clients or, or prospects right. I did estimates for. And even people that I sat down with and just chatted with, I enjoyed spending time with them. Sometimes they didn't always buy from me. Uh, but even still, I still maintain that relationship afterwards. And they were able to refer me to other people. Yes. Um, they were able to just speak really well about the things that I, that I was doing. Even just having something as simple as a lawn sign up on their lawn, being the good people that they were, um, yeah. allowed me to allow some free advertisement and, and cause some deals or allowed me to have some deals. So yeah, just be interested. And then if you happen to be interesting too, it's a nice benefit. But if the other person is interested, then you probably are already interesting. So I, exactly. I, I looking at it. Yeah. And so, so Benny, you graduated from Carleton out of engineering. So where did you go? You know, what were your first steps career-wise? Uh, so actually, I uh, just quick little correction. Uh, graduated out of commerce. So oh, I, uh, sorry. No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's a conception, a misconception in my job as well. Uh, my title is a sales engineer now, and a lot of the people that I work with. That's probably why. <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, and no, no worries at all. Yeah, it's of one course. of those things uh, <laughs> that most people in my role too are engineers. So I actually kind of consider that a little bit of a compliment in the sense that <laughs> they take my way into this engineering. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I actually had the opportunity, and this again, it's it's going to sound like it's scripted, but it really wasn't. So I had the opportunity to be in co-op, and my co-op uh, experience, I think, was bolstered by the fact that I had the confidence of of everything that I'd done from student work. So I ended up at, uh, at a software company called Halogen Software. They've since been acquired by a couple of companies, but uh, while they're amazing software firm with incredible people, very like forward, forward looking culture, forward thinking culture. And so I, uh, after I was in that co-op term, I was able to get hired from them or hired by them full time, Right. where I got to work with, uh, again, one of the biggest companies, or again, I forget how many uh, how many millions of dollars they had in revenue, but 500 employees uh, operating around the world, some some huge customers, being able to work with the C-suite there uh, with, with some of the most successful people that, that I've got to know from that software space, uh, being able to work with customers and speak to, uh, in my opportunity, I got to speak to prospects that we won and lost to, to understand why we either won or lost a deal. Right. Um, oftentimes using a lot of the same techniques that, that, that we would use in student works to find out more about, you know, the requirements of an estimate, who's involved, like, what does it take to, to get the deal? What, what types of things might be blockers? So very similar experience there. And then I was able to report on all those findings up to the C-suite, kind of understand what, what mattered to them. 
and what allows the business to function. And then from there, unfortunately, when we got uh, we, we, when we got acquired by a company called Saba, uh, there were a number of changes. I got laid off in the second round. Uh, yeah. From there, kind of figured out my way a little bit. Had a little bit of a package. Kind of enjoyed myself. I was in my early twenties at the time. Right. And then I guess maybe fast forward a little bit. Uh, everybody has their struggles, I guess, at some point. And so, yeah. So actually, that's actually something we can dig right into. Is is sure. so? Yeah, th- that's one hundred percent true. And and certainly, uh, we ask everyone because this isn't, you know, like again, that's not performance based. You were performing well, and you know, uh, mergers and acquisitions. People get merged. You know, people get people get acquired. Some people get left behind, and it has nothing to do necessarily. A large group of those people are to, are strong to top performers, you know, and obviously, usually the weak performers are, are taken out, but but definitely there are. So how did you see that? How did you experience that, et cetera? So I was really fortunate. I got to work with, uh, or rather the team that I was a part of had incredible leadership. I don't know. I don't, I don't mind throwing out names. Sure. Uh, but uh, so one guy in particular, well, well rather my boss, uh, Alice Mariano, she had quite a bit of experience from Oracle before working at Halogen and she was, she's a, she's the sweetest person and right. was kind of guide us through things. And then her boss, um, Mark Harrison, who worked at IBM, worked at the, worked at the company that I am at right now. Okay. He's a, he was a VP of corp dev to so working on a relatively small team. It was maybe overall the corp dev department had about 10 people in it, but since he'd handled a number of mergers and acquisitions at, uh, at IBM, he had a really good feel on what was going on and even kind of oversaw some things that were happening uh, in this one as well. So he was able to be very transparent, especially to somebody like myself who had just gone through this for, or who was going through this for the first time. Sure. I was able to kind of walk us through all the things that were happening. And I'll be entirely honest with you, I guess, while it was taking place, just by understanding our place in our company and understanding kind of the function, our equivalent functions in the other company, uh, I was pretty confident, like, very confident, actually, that we weren't uh, rather that we weren't going to be affected, right? Though unfortunately, that we we did eventually get affected, and uh, people were very kind about it. The culture of that place was was quite strong. Where uh, those that all got laid off that day, we all went to the bar down the street all together and kind of <laughs> chatted about things, and right. still keep in touch with people working there. And uh, admittedly, it was a little bit difficult, but again, the company was very kind in, in giving us packages and whatnot that were very comfortable. But there's always that uncertainty of you know what, what's ne- what's my next thing going to be. Being in my early 20s, I was in a far more comfortable position than others. I didn't have any dependents on me. Um, I didn't have a family or a mortgage or anything. But there's still that uncertainty of what am I going to do? And so uh, essentially what I did was for for the first first week, and I think for the first month or so, I I had a three-month package. I've been working hard for a long time in a row now. So I figured, why not take a little break, a little vacation? So I did that. But then there comes a time, especially when you become accustomed to the, the level of work that you're doing at student works or the, the level of work that you're just accustomed to, that you just get antsy and you want to do something else. So started applying at a few different jobs, um, started looking at some, just kind of helped out some companies and some startup things that they were doing, some friends rather that were doing some startupy things. And then eventually though, my money started to run out and that's right. We need to work. We need exactly. to eat. <laughs> right. And I was, uh, and people are going to experience this, but sometimes corporate interviews can suck where they could get elongated for quite some time, you know, months, yes. month processes. Um, there were two jobs in particular, or there were three I was interviewing for at the same time. We had, let's say, rank them. There's one, two, and three. Right. The offer from three pretty early. One and two, though, were my were the ones Choices. I preferred. Yeah, exactly. So I figured, you know, I'm still pretty far in these two, and these two are looking good. So sorry, I'm going to decline this this other offer. And then, you know, fast forward a month, those two ended up declining me both on the same day. So that was a rough day. Yeah. And so uh, eventually, and now at this point, again, finances are, are really dire. 
then I reached out to a friend, start working a minimum wage for a couple of weeks at a taco truck uh, just by Ottawa U called the Nacho Cartel. Yeah. And as part of that, uh, this taco truck, or I guess we, we did catering events. And so we ended up catering to the a company called Ascent Compliance, where turns out I knew quite a few people. So we ended up going there to serve lunch and ended up going, coming across all these different people I knew, one from school, but right. then also from Halogen, the company I worked at before. Uh, and then I start kind of talking with a few people and uh, a couple of weeks after that, I ended up getting hired by this other software company that we ended up delivering lunch to. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And so, uh, so it all worked out in the end, but it was obviously difficult. I just had to kind of look at it next day by next day. What am I doing to be better? What am I doing to not feel like a piece of garbage about this day? And again, some takeaways as well as, is one thing to do is be active. Like, you know, if, if you're not working, go work. Like even again, take a small job. Like I would say is it just cause the whole, where you're so much better in action as a species, right? And then, like you said, oh, wow, look, I met someone. Look, and then I'm having a conversation with someone. And, and then there's more connections rather than, okay, I'm just going to focus on getting a job. I'm going to stay in my, you know, quote unquote, my apartment and send out emails and, you know, link in. Like, I think, I think being actively involved in maybe working, like you said, or I'm going to have a breakfast meeting, a lunch meeting, a coffee meeting with as many people as I can. Those are, those are strategies as well during that time. So I agree 100%. Also, maybe just one quick thing. I actually Please. forgot. I wouldn't do myself justice if I didn't uh, if I didn't say this. But one of those people that actually was was able to reach out and, and give me a little bit of help was actually a student works alumni himself, uh, Adel. Uh, oh, Adel, fantastic! So super successful. He started a roofing company that, that did very, very, very well. And so he was actually one of those people that were able to give me a little bit of a crutch to to kind of give me some work while while I was looking for something to do. And awesome. uh, my student works experience obviously carried on quite a bit uh, into that role. Adel's awesome. And he's been on the pod. So uh, he, you know, so that's great. And so one thing as well, just in the background, you know, our, our leaders may be hearing some construction and it's actually not construction, some raccoons and baby raccoons decide to come visit us, uh, Benny and leaders. So you may hear some, you know, um, you know, basically they're, they're taking apart a deck so that or no, the raccoons have left us now. They were here with us the last couple of nights. And somebody's up there building things so that they 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 don't come back. They'll they'll find another home, you know, that sort of thing. So that's what we're looking for them. Because they're quite yeah, loud at night. So yeah. So that's okay. that just just I wanted to add that. So what did you do next? What what job did you jump to next? So uh, at that point, so I, I started working as a uh, oh wait, was I a content writer for a bit as well? I was so <laughs> still a whole bunch of things that time. Uh, right. So the big job though, I, I started working though, uh, after that, that, that catering gig was, uh, at Carlton. Oh, uh, Carlton, is this as the advertised advocate? Yes. Ah, right. So that's actually, um, that was, uh, so a lot of people, a lot of you are, are obviously in university or out of university. Uh, I'm sure you've seen those ads out there of, uh, you know, some face and why I chose, you know, inter-school here. Right. Those people are actually real. They actually went to the school. Uh, so I was one of those people. I actually got approached after school because of a lot of the things that I did while while in school. So I actually got approached in my final year of university. I did a number of case competitions and I had some entrepreneurial experiences while in school where they asked me to to be the face or be, be one of the faces of Carlton. And so I was able to do cool. that for a bit. But again, that too, though, again, largely have to attribute to the experience I had at Student Works to even get myself, to give myself the confidence to have gotten into case competitions, to have gotten into any of the entrepreneurial 
uh, incubators and whatnot that, that existed at Carleton for things because of the business experience I had from student works. And so I guess that was, uh, that's how I did that. That was kind of more of a, a side thing simultaneous to, to actual jobs. At, uh, to your actual job. Oh, that's really neat though. Oh, that's great. That's great. And, and so then you moved to where you are now. So why don't you describe where you are, what your earlier role is, what, you, what your role is now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, right now I'm working for a company called, uh, I'm going to say student works painting, for Ascent <laughs> Compliance. Uh, we're a leader in supply chain data management. We mostly collected information on regulatory compliance to help think of, say, a manufacturer, maybe the manufacturer of your phone, of your car, of a plate, of a book, whatever it may be. To be able to sell these goods into different markets, they need to follow certain regulations. Say within the realm of chemicals, due to the the nature of some substances being dangerous, let's say lead or asbestos or something like that, there's rules on how much of these substances can exist in these products that are sold in different markets. And to manage that information, to collect that type of granular information from a supply chain, and then to roll that up to understand where risks lie for, for any organization is difficult to do. And so we provide essentially a hands off service and software as well to companies to manage all of that. We, we also help collect information, uh, essentially to uncover all those unknowns that sit outside of the walls of any organization to identify areas of risk, to, to, to indicate where there might be issues in a supply chain that can be addressed to help mitigate risk in the future to prevent, say, issues with market access or brand reputation or things like that. So, uh, Benny, I understand what you're saying. But for some of our younger leaders, they won't understand what you mean by risk and how a company looks at risk. So why don't you describe that more clearly for them? Yeah, for sure. Good point. Yeah. So, so risk is funny because, you know, as complicated as risk can get, the, the root of it is still the same as anybody that, that that's or what risk is to anybody that's listening right now is still in some ways, I think, what risk is to an organization, which is just something that you don't really know too much about that can cause you an issue. Now, what that issue looks like, I think, could be anything from, say, you know, there's a risk maybe in, I don't know how, this wasn't me, but let's say you are interested in, uh, in two. Like just some of your clients' risks. I sure. imagine some of your clients, they're manufacturing and they didn't realize in this one market that they could only have a reading of this level and it was higher. And by having a higher risk, they get sued by the, by, you know, environmental watchdogs. They have a huge brand uh, risk so that their brands beaten up on Facebook and all sorts of social media and advice and their stock goes down tremendously, right? That's, that's kind of the risks, that's right? That's an excellent example. Yeah, 100%. yeah, exactly. So that's big thing that I imagine, again, I don't know your company, but I imagine that those are the things that your company does. And that's why as well, uh, why is he talking to the C-suite? Well, the C-suite and the senior directors want to make sure that those things were covered for because it is, is a real risk for the CEO to lose their job because if they're not managing those things, that's what the board's looking for them. And the board is, by the way, as well, looking for those types of things as well. Hold on. what's you know We could lose a lot of value of our company if we're not managing these things properly. Couldn't have said it better myself. No, I, that, that's exactly it. And so it's just being able to understand all these different types of companies that we're working with. And we work with companies across all sorts of different types of industries. So similar to how, uh, you know, listeners today are, are speaking to all sorts of different people that come from different backgrounds, those same types of backgrounds that people are coming from, whether they be, say, uh, maybe they're working in the aerospace industry, or perhaps right. they're working in the medical space, or perhaps they're working, you know, as a, as a something in many, or some company that's manufacturing something. Right. We're working with all these different types of companies that have some type of a supply chain. So if they have supply suppliers that are providing the materials that go into goods that they're ending up uh, providing to the market or to their customers, then we could be in business with them. 
right? Having to understand what each individual company in their respective situation is going through is really important to be able to speak to a need or speak to how our software or how our solution can address that, which is actually very similar to in painting, kind of how you have to understand, well, what the customer is looking to do, but then also uh, you have to understand why they're looking to do it. Uh, Being able to understand sometimes their financial situation is important. Just really understand their whole context before you can really deliver uh, your value to them. Absolutely. And so one of the things about this model is this model is a SaaS model. So why don't you describe what SaaS means and the value of a SaaS business, like why that works so well for customers and for the companies themselves? For sure. So SaaS, by the way, stands for maybe one of two things. It could either be software as a service or I guess the software as a service is the main one, actually. Yeah. And uh, and I guess the reason why it's so useful, and by the way, software as a service, this is say something where you purchase this solution. And then with this solution, uh, you don't have to worry about having to buy CDs and kind of install things all the time and keep things updated. But rather, we just provide to you this whole software solution that, uh, that, that that's implemented or, or I guess put into whatever company where is using it. And then we then provide all the updates to them to ensure that the software, the solution that they bought is always the best software that it can be. Yes. And so the reason why this is so so useful is for a reason that maybe I'm going to introduce a new word uh, is that it's so scalable. So what something is, I guess, when something is scalable, uh, you're essentially able to, I guess, have or just you're able to distribute it in a very efficient way, as opposed to having to maybe code a whole new program for every single new customer that you're going to work with. You instead yes. use the single code base and apply it to to all sorts of different customers in a very easy, efficient way. And so in a world now, especially in a global marketplace that that we sit in, we're able to to interact and speak with companies around the world with each of their unique different nuances and needs, but in a way uh, using the same software solution tweaked maybe a little bit for for every individual customer, but in a way that essentially addresses all these different needs. So we're able to get all these different types of revenue streams as opposed to just focusing in on, on one specific type of thing without having to put in too much effort ourselves. Right. And so one of the things as well as from a company perspective, I don't go into ABC manufacturing company and say, wow, you've got a problem. Here's a bunch of risks that I'm going to solve for you. Here's a $100,000 bill or a $10,000 bill or whatever. Here, every month, send me this for the rest of your life. Okay. And companies go, oh, wow, I've got a huge problem right now. They're solving this. Well, that seems like a really great deal. And then the, the firm gets this constant feed of money for the rest of the life. And you might say, well, why doesn't the company stop? Well, if the company stops, then they'll start having compliance problems and they'll start having problems with their manufacturing, their supply chain. And then, and then it's like, they'll get themselves back to where there maybe would have been a problem or partly as well. When, you know, Benny's having original conversations with these people, he'll say, these are some, some potential problems that you have. And they'll go, Oh, really? Right. I imagine that sometimes will happen too. You're just you're sharing with them about about really what this service really provides, correct? <laughs> it's almost as if you work here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that network effect is, is so powerful. So yeah. I guess it's maybe used in a different context sometimes in painting, but just the idea of being uh, having seen, let's say, what what one customer has done, and to yes. be able to recommend, perhaps, and to be able to to use that experience and kind of just provide value now to somebody else, I think is pretty transferable. And so that knowledge that we've collected from working with all these other customers are so valuable when we speak to a whole new set of customers that are suffering or maybe experiencing the same issues, uh, because we we now come in with all this expertise from that first set and. 
uh, painting, it's, it's, I experienced the same thing. So, yeah. And, and on the other hand, like our business is nowhere near as scalable as yours. Now, frankly, that makes sense because ultimately our business is a student run business. It wouldn't make sense. You know, we couldn't be in that space effectively, but your business is so scalable because of that model. And so you're able to learn something in this industry, pass it over to that industry. And then all of a sudden you guys become again, the leading edge providers and because i i saw as well you you guys won some or or fastest growing or or how's that working in terms of your organization yeah quite quite well it almost uh it sounds really bad but you almost start stop to pay attention to all the awards that we win because it happens so often so quickly but yeah i think some of the latest ones were uh we were recognized by deloitte as one canada our 50 fastest growing tech companies wow we, uh, well, we're, there's something here. So we're in Ottawa right now. Uh, there's something called the Better Business Awards or, or the Bob's mm-hmm. Best of Business or something like okay, that. Yeah. Uh, we consistently win multiple awards uh, in that whole show uh, year after year after year. Uh, we recently, a couple of years ago, closed about 160 US, uh, $160 million US wow. in our Series C funding. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty sweet. And we were attracting some pretty crazy talent around the world. And our customer base is recognizing it. And, that, and that's growing pretty, pretty substantially. Yeah, so the, the company's doing very well. Great leadership, cool initiatives, great culture as well. It's, it, it's truly unique in many respects. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super fortunate to have the opportunity to be there. No, oh, that's great. And and again, one of the reasons why uh, I wanted to have Benny on the show was just because of I could see that the company he was with was doing so well. And so again, how do you get yourself there by doing things early, by developing your skills, by working hard? And then also as well, it really is important to align yourself with the best possible company because your your skills are going to get magnified, your learning is going to get magnified, your your upside is going to get magnified by being in that type of organization. And again, a SaaS type sales role are the best sales roles right now. Those are the the opportunities and it's also really transferable because if I'm selling SaaS here, I can move to another organization, not that you would want to because if you're really excelling, why bother? But it does just keep your options open and that's what we always want to be doing. You know, we don't want to be thinking about as our life, just like an employee, we want to think of our life like as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And it's crazy how transferable software sales is to to just sales that that we do in student works. It's actually remarkable how Mm -hmm. similar it is in many respects. And also to piggyback off something else you said, the idea of aligning yourself to the best companies. Typically, those best companies are consist rather of some really incredible people. Uh, So exactly as as I experienced in student works, aligning yourself to the really good people in these organizations is also something that you're going to find to, to really bolster your growth and your improvement because uh, you're always kind of keeping up with other people who are super ambitious and doing really well, but also very supportive. Yeah, and, and that's something that I loved about Student Works, and yeah, I've been super fortunate to have that same type of opportunity at Ascent and at Halogen and a couple other. Yeah, and again, I'm I'm sure as well. Like like again, a strong organization has good culture. A strong organization has a cooperative culture. You know, so has a learning culture. Has the things that Student Works does, and so that that's what you're going to see if you're in an organization that doesn't have those. That there's backbiting or not sharing or not trustful tr- trusting organization. Well, those are organizations that like, oh, the flags go up and I should be networking to find myself another company that actually works because that's what what our environments should be like. And again, the better skills I have, the better track record I have, the more likely I can find that type of a role as well. Very true. So, and I know as well, you've become a, a, a podcaster. So why don't you tell the, the, the listeners about that? So I love that. Yeah, for sure. 
So I guess my second role at Ascent, uh, I got hired on as a sales engineer, which maybe just quickly for some context. Uh, so again, I came up as a business background. When I first started at Ascent, I came on as a junior product manager as essentially a conduit between the product management team and the sales team because they didn't have that role and they needed somebody for it. And so I did that for about a year and uh, I guess impressed the sales team enough for them to want to bring me on onto their side of things full time as what's called a sales engineer. Now, for a lot of you listening here today, what is a sales engineer? Great question. I didn't know the answer to that either. I thought it was something that made up. Um, so uh, what I did after that was start to look into, uh, you know, well, what are some resources for sales engineers that are out there? Came across this podcast, or I forget if I came across it or, or the guy reached out to me who had started it already and, and asked for me to be a guest because I, I was a pretty early or new sales engineer. By the way, a sales engineer is somebody that's essentially the, the technical salesperson. So you're out there selling and presenting value of the solution uh, that you're the sales engineer for but you're able to do so with the technical expertise that's required to set up, say, proof of concepts or to be able to just do more te more technical or more complicated things than just a standard high-level demo pitch. And, uh, and then you're also working with the engineering teams and product teams to ensure that they're in full alignment with what's happening on the sales side as well. And so uh, this guy reached out to me to be a, a guest on this podcast called We the Sales Engineers. Um, so we talked a little bit and, and I kind of jumped on again with full disclosure. I don't really know what a sales engineer is. Right. And he, uh, and essentially, well, we had a great discussion, talked about things. And then he eventually asked me if I wanted to co-host with him and to, to, to jump on board with the whole initiative to, to help increase the awareness as to what sales engineering was all about. And yeah, so what it was all about and where it's going, what to do to be better at it, things like right. that. Just a, it's a vocational podcast. And from there, I started to get more involved, listen to a number of shows, obviously have spoken to countless guests, authors, leaders, uh, VPs, senior VPs, global VPs. Right. Uh, all within the realm of sales engineering. And so, uh, yeah, we just talked about it, talk about where it's going, what it is, and uh, and again, how to be better at it. That's awesome. I love it. Love it. And again, I think one great, you know, best practice of leaders, period, is they're more involved in than just their role, right? So it's like, you know, again, Benny's, you know, has had the role at Carlton, has the podcast, you know, I'm sure reading lots of books, listening to lots of podcasts, learning, 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 because that's how you excel in the world. Okay. You know, you just can't be working your nine to five and then thinking you have a great career. And again, not, you know, you get to decide what you want to do in your life, not saying that this is how you got to run your life. But if you want to really, really excel, that's what we need to do is make choices that will assist us to really, really excel. So Absolutely. I think in adulthood too, it's so easy to get in that grind of just doing the same thing day after day after, yeah. day after day. And you can get stuck and then find yourselves five, 10 years later, looking back, like, what did I just do for the last five, 10 years or even longer potentially? And so I think this speaks to a lot of the people just to be in the program to begin with, but that, that, that drive you have to continuously learn, you can't lose that. Otherwise you, you may find that you get stagnant from where you are. Can't agree. And in, in learning is fun. That's the other thing. And you can just tell, like, that's how you're seeing it. It's like, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's interesting. Hey, leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit 
leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So as you move from being a teenager slash university student to becoming a value creator in the full-time world, what did you need to change about yourself? Hmm, that's a really good question. And I, I think it's still it's a continuous process, but mm-hmm. uh, that imposter syndrome, it, it goes away eventually. So you eventually become far more confident in the actual value that, that you are presenting out there. And, and that feeling of not really knowing if you belong, I, I had to get over that personally. Yeah. I think also the idea of just taking more responsibility for things. So to your point there and having to, you know, constantly, you know, reach or rather yeah, constantly look for, seek out more learning opportunities or new learning opportunities uh, is so important because while you're in school, these things are just handed to you to, to learn, you know, you have yeah. all sorts of resources, materials, homework, whatever it is. And oftentimes it could, it could just be tedious potentially mm-hmm. if you're not enjoying it. But then once you get into adulthood, there's nobody holding your hand anymore. And I know it's such a cliche, but it's so true where yeah. it's so easy all of a sudden to get caught up in bad habits where now you could party as much as you want. You could, you know, drink, you could do whatever uh, yeah. without necessarily caring about your professional growth. But you have to, I think you just have to have that, 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 that structure or at least some sense of where you're going next, that that's beyond where you are right now. And I had to kind of get myself into a little bit of a regimen of, of books I wanted to read podcasts I wanted to catch up on, other hobbies I really wanted to do to, to help better myself because without it, I, I would be, I don't know, playing video games or just like getting stuck in the grit, stuck in the grind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, there, there's an impact. You know, one of the things I always love to focus on is my integrity. I set up this plan. I'm going to do this plan, you know, and these are the things I'm, I'm working on. And, you know, decades later, you know, uh, my life really works. I've had, I had a lot of success, but it's because of all those daily choices that you make. You know, mm-hmm. and, and again, likewise, in my 20s, I was making good choices and that just continues to show up. You know, it's kind of that accumulated benefit, accumulated benefit over time, over time, over time, because you separate yourself out from people as you make those better choices because a bunch of people aren't because it's just way easier to make the choice of, you know, oh, gra- grabbing a beer and watching some Netflix or the sports game, right? Like, like it's just easier, you know, and not saying there's nothing there. We watch Netflix and I love the Raptors, but you know, again, too much, you know, that's, that's a problem. So what key habits would someone want to steal from you? What's your secret to your success? Secret to my success. So, um, I would say something that's maybe, I wouldn't say unique to me, but I would say it isn't as common as I would have thought is probably Mm -hmm. my delusional optimism. Um, (laughs) (laughs) even when things, you know, seem really down, uh, when things don't seem like they're going so great. I can't understate the importance of always seeing the light on the other side and seeing the yeah. positive side of things, because that's going to be, at least for me anyways, that's the thing that I'm able to hold on to, to really get me through any tough time to get me to the other side. So, so long as you have a very clear vision and a real belief in yourself to be able to get better on the other side, then, then it really is possible. And the only limiting factor is you just taking those steps to actually do it. But if you believe in yourself, then, then there's really nothing stopping you. Uh, so that would be the biggest thing is just have that awesome. option. Awesome. And one thing just for someone who is a delusional optimist, you know, there can be a point of it's too much. So checking in with people to make sure that you're not too optimistic, because I've made that error in my life. But most people don't get themselves there. Okay. Most people don't become optimists, don't learn optimism. And there's actually a great book called Learned Optimism by Martin Seligman, Harvard prof. And it's uh, really, really awesome about how we can literally train ourselves to become better 
and more successful optimists. And it's funny, Benny is actually writing this uh, this this note down. We'll put this in the show notes, but I really recommend it. And uh, about best practices around how to become an optimist because it really really makes sense. If you look overwhelmingly, more successful people are more optimistic. Overwhelming. It is a character trait of of successful people. So final question, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, Benny, what comes to mind? Hmm, big question. You gave me these beforehand too. I should have really <laughs> <laughs> um, So I guess a leader of tomorrow. So I think uh, on a foundational level, just having all the normal characteristics of, of a leader, whether it be of today, of tomorrow, or, or of past days, uh, first off, will be really important. So those things of being able to you know, see a vision and kind of strive to achieve that vision and not right. necessarily by doing, doing things on a, on a managerial level of kind of micromanaging your way there, but to kind of maybe take a step back or, or be more outside of the box in, in your approaches to things, being able to kind of, to be a guiding light as well is always going to be important. So I'm not going to maybe speak to all the standard, maybe leadership things, but as for right. the leader of tomorrow, we're living in a pretty interesting world right now. The world is, is as dynamic as it ever has been. Nothing is is a certainty anymore. Uh, during the recording of this, it happens to be during the COVID nineteen pandemic. But even besides that, and maybe it's a, a byproduct of. But while in school, I did international business and globalization. The world becoming a lot flatter with respect to you know being able to receive something from China in a couple of days or yeah. being able to do business with anybody around the world was commonplace and was growing quite quite a bit. But now, at least during this time, we're finding quite a bit of more nationalism, where a lot of companies are becoming quite a bit more protection. Introducing more protectionist policies uh, around how they trade and, and how they work with different countries, and so it just goes to show that nothing is really for certain, and, and things are always in flux. And so, to, you have to be dynamic as a leader of tomorrow. You have to be able to change with the times. You also have to recognize with society too that there's a lot of different type of people out there that are now that now have channels to be more outspoken than they ever could be before. And so, learning to work with different types of people, whether you agree with them or not. I think is going to be extremely important for the leader of tomorrow and to be able to reconcile the the, the bipartisan, is it bipartisanship? Is that the right word? We live in a very, maybe down in the States in particular, but even in Canada too, we for live sure. in a world where people have, they, they live on maybe sometimes the extremes of various yes. spectrums. And uh, we need to have to be able to come together and bring these types of people together and, and have everybody work together well. And so the leader of tomorrow, I think, is going to be somebody that can kind of harmonize the differences between these different types of people. Yeah. And, and so in my mind, you know, just to, to sort of speak to both of your points, and I think they're excellent is, is, you know, partisanship, especially is very, very high in the United States. And so that being able to work on both sides, and I understand what a Republican is and why they believe what they believe. And that makes sense to me. And I also believe and understand what a Democrat is and why they think the things that they think. Now, now, frankly, there are way more Democrats in Canada than there are Republicans. And I totally understand the Republican point of view, you know, just because I've done my best to go and try to understand that. So we can, um, by through judgment, we can, oh, that's so stupid. Or, oh my God, I can't believe they think that. Well, hold on. No, if you actually get in their world and understand their, their frame of reference, you go, oh, they believe in freedom. They, that freedom's really important to them. And you, you, know, you really, really work to understand where they're coming from. The government stepped in and done the wrong things in the past. You go, okay, I got it. Okay, that makes sense to me. You know, then all of a sudden, again, you actually can coexist and create solutions from that space, right? And again, I think that's something that Canadian politics and Canadian government do much better. Uh, and again, it speaks to, to, you know, what works well in Canada. So that's, so that's great. And I think as leaders, I think that's really important. And as you mentioned as well, just flexibility, right? Understanding, hey, things are not going to stay the same. And if you're on 
one bus and that's the only bus you're on, that's a trouble. And maybe someone looks at me and go, this guy's been painting houses and, you know, uh, cleaning windows, you know, for 30 plus years. Well, hold on. You know, our business has really changed, really modified, really. And how we do our business has been really, really shifted besides the actual services. And otherwise it would be impossible for us to have the growth that we've had and have the incredible, you know, profit and net promoter scores of our operators and success that we have. And that's great, right? Being that flexible. Oh, wow. All of a sudden we got to do things completely different. You know, it's in this post pandemic world. Wow. Things are different. That's okay. And we're ready for that. And that's just fun. That's interesting, right? Rather than, you know, it's going to be the same, you know, and I think everyone can recognize it's not going to all be the same anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Industries used to last for a long, long time. Now they seem to be, you know, just kind of shifting that much more, that, that much faster, right? Very true. I do want to quickly commend you. Uh, wait, Corey as well? Did did you two guys start it together? No, no, no. Corey was with us for, uh, I think, 18 years, maybe maybe 20 years. So Corey was a vice president for people who aren't aware. And, and Corey was on our podcast. He now is just crushing it in the real estate world. And again, great friend and real, real just an amazing person. Okay, fair enough. Then oh, I, I 100% agree. But then I do want to commend you, though, to speak to the flexibility that you've had to have in this in this role, just in this business. It's yeah. it, that can't be understated either. The fact that you're working with gen or not generations, but cohort after cohort of cohort of different people, each with their own personalities, each in their different markets with their own unique struggles, and then work in a in a landscape where paint itself is changing over time, working with different technologies constantly, working in different uh, selling markets where there's different rules and how you can sell and and different expectations of whether it be door-to-door sellers or, or or just contractors in general. And you've been able to do so while while growing all these people, myself included, uh, or, or rather developing all these people the entire way, each in their own unique, different way. It's incredible. Um, and so, yeah, no, the, the the way you've done it, I don't know how you've done it, but clearly. <laughs> well, thank you. You've done something too. <laughs> yeah. well, well, Benny, I, I really appreciate that. And again, I want to acknowledge you for coming on our podcast and sharing and the success that you've had so far. And I, I already told you in advance, I, I I look forward in a decade or so, or who knows how long, oh, all of a sudden Benny's doing what? Oh my God, we'll have him back on the pod so he can share. But thanks so much and and really enjoy your spending time today with you today. Likewise. No, it's great catching up. Thanks so much for taking the time. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit Leaders Podcast ca slash apply and start your application process today once again it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and i can't wait to see you on the other side